Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to the CEO and co-founder of Ideon Technologies. Gary is a global executive with 25 plus years in the industrial B2B markets, developing and commercializing innovative new products, services, and solutions. Hi, Gary. It's so great to have you here. Hey, it's great to be here, Andrew and Scott. Thanks very much for the invitation. Yeah, no worries. No worries. So, Gary, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your journey, and you know your current role. We're excited to hear it. Sure, yeah, I'm uh, originally from the UK, I've uh, been in Canada now since uh, 2013, um, and so my wife and I have become uh, citizens here in Canada, so I'm pretty excited about that like, over the last uh, last 12 months or so. Um, and yeah, my, my journey, uh, I spent over 20 years of my career working for the world's largest capital equipment dealer. In the last mm-hmm. 10 years of my career with the company um, was as an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, took the opportunity at the end of 2018 to switch gears. Um, really was looking for a different challenge for the second uh, second half of my career, if you will. Um, I left then uh, searching for a, a technology startup uh, business, really to have the opportunity to apply my skills in a very different uh, context. And so today I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ideon Technologies. Um, we are a world pioneer in the use of cosmic ray neon tomography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just to uh, double click on that a little bit, um, our technology very, very analogous to uh, medical imaging. And so if you think about a 2D X-ray image or a 3D CAT scan um, image, our technology essentially follows the same uh, similar process, um, but we are imaging beneath the Earth's surface. Mm. Um, very helpful for mining companies, oil and gas, um, geotechnical uh, assessments, and so forth. Mm. Thank you for explaining that. I had no idea what that word meant. You stumble their faces like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, do I act cool about this or do I ask a question? So thank you for sharing. <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to, you know, looking at it from a, a leadership perspective, we're always curious about the leadership journey all in itself. Tell us what type of switches you've kind of, jumped into from a leadership perspective, going from, you know, executive to being that entrepreneur and CEO? Yeah, maybe the first switch I'd, uh, I'd share with you is really about how I reflect on my career. And the first half of my career was was quite uh, typical, I guess, um, but, you know, very hierarchically orientated uh, organization. Mm-hmm. The boss was expected to know all the answers. The team were expected to kind of follow the boss. Um, it was so quite a traditional hierarchical um, organizational model. 
Um, and so for me, in, in the middle of my career, around 2010, 2012, I, just as I was becoming executive, I got the opportunity to benefit some, some really first-class uh, training, development, coaching, um, that really helped me shift my the, the frame on which I looked at the organization and looked at the challenges and, and, and looked at the team through. Mm. And really the second half, and I, I guess the, the label I put to it, it's aspirational leadership. Um, and really the second half of my career has been much more about aspirational leadership and taking on the challenges that maybe others think are impossible and finding a way to deliver on those, those bold objectives. Mm-hmm. I'd I love to dive into that a little bit further, Gary. And so could you maybe explain to some of the listeners, uh, you know, in your version, what is aspirational leadership? And then double clicking a little further as to like, well, what has what the impact actually been that you've seen with your team and kind of adapting yeah. that your style? Yes, yes, sure. And so for me, aspirational leadership is uh, we have a tendency to um, think and, and, and operate incrementally. Um, and for me, aspirational leadership is about putting yourself in the future, you know, five years out, 10 years out, whatever the appropriate timeline, and actually painting yourself a picture of the way you want the world to look. Um, in your business, uh, in, in your market, and then really stepping back from that vision um, to create annual and quarterly targets based on it. And the challenge with aspirational leadership is when you do it that way around, the objectives and the challenges become quite large quite quickly, and that's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Normally, we're all, we're all used to and we've seen the kind of small incremental changes and a huge hockey stick in the final year of the plan. Right. Well, well, this approach actually forces the bigger bigger shifts in performance earlier in the plan. Um, so that's quite an uncomfortable experience if that's not the way um, you've been used to working. Um, your, your question's got around the, the impact of that leadership. Um, it's night and day in my experience. The, the level of performance, the level of uh, engagement of the team um, the team end up delivering things that they previously thought were impossible. Mm. That sounds that sounds very dramatic, um, but in, in the real world, it's about setting off with big big objectives and then going after them like your life depends on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an amazing space where the human mind gets freed from the current constraints and starts to think possibilities. Mm. And really, that's the space where you know at one time impossible things. Are achieved. Um, Nelson Mandela has a great uh, had a great quote. Um, it always seems impossible until it's done, and that's really you know very eloquently articulates that at the beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. the mountains seem so large and, and difficult to overcome, but at the end of the journey, um, you know the, the the impossible has been delivered. Mm-hmm. I. I'm really intrigued by this thought process around aspirational leadership um, because there's a lot of buzzwords going around, of course, these days. Like we know that there's 27 different types of leadership styles ranging from, you know, um, archaical, hierarchical types of leadership um, all the way up to, you know, um, learnership and what you're saying, aspirational leadership or transformational leadership, et cetera, et cetera. And so, Leaning into what you're saying, Gary, how do you how do you help create not just a mind shift in your leadership team, but all staff? Because that would be a substantial shift across your whole organization. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, first and most importantly is creating a safe environment. 
mm. and, and being very clear that there's there's two performance levels. There's the hard commitment, which okay. is as a leader, is the thing I want to take to the bank. Yep. And then there's the aspirational goal. And it's recognizing that there are actually two different objectives. The one that is a commitment and that you're holding people accountable for. And the other one is where people are shooting for the for the moon and stars. And if they don't achieve that, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, actually, yeah. the, the safety culture is is acknowledging and celebrating that they have the courage to actually go after the, the lofty goal. Mm. And, and when it doesn't work out, that's okay. What did we learn from that experience and how do we apply that to get the next time? And so that uh, commitment and aspirational goal, um, understanding those two different um, outcomes and, and yes. accordingly to those outcomes is very, very important. I like where you're going with that, Gary, because what I'm hearing is, you know, for for you from an aspirational leadership perspective, gone are the days of, you know, start and stop goals and you must hit 100 percent or we're going to have a discussion as to why you haven't hit 100 percent, but rather transferring it to the perspective of let's agree upon something that's abundantly clear. And where's the marker of being quote unquote, okay, or successful for a goal. And then by the way, let's be creative and think about in a perfect world, what does the stretch goal look like? And of course, we're going to shoot for that. And then, you know, hope for the agreed upon at the, at the end of the day, and then continue that process forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's certainly the leader's role in, in the in the goal setting exercise and also in the, mm. the process and in, in the goal delivery exercise. But actually causes um, the leader to be quite different through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through that process, you know, my role becomes, you know, what do you need to get to the goal? Mm. How do I help you get the tools, the resources? It could be headcount, could be, you know, could be investment, could be all sorts of things. Right. That are enabler of getting to the goal. Yeah. Um, and, and but then you know my role is to remove those um, blockers and give the team members you know a free runway, not a free runway, but give them a runway mm-hmm. to go after those uncovered. Mm-hmm. You know, typically what I've, I've seen before is you know people get committed on the big lofty goal, and then the second sentence is, yeah, but you can have half the resources you asked for to go and deliver it. The immediate is a disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, immediately there's a disconnect in the in the person who's going after the goal because it's like, well, I told you what I needed, mm-hmm. and you want me to achieve this big goal, but you've just undermined what I need by cutting it in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's not a that's a, not, not a good agreement between the leader and the, and the member of the team. It's mm-hmm. much more around agreeing what what conditions give us the ability to achieve this goal, and then as the leader with the team member, figuring out how we get those things in place. Exactly, and and Scott, what comes up for me is like a lot of conversations that you and I have been having around shifting the thought process to more check ins versus you mm-hmm. know one time performance. Um, you know, ob- objective setting mm-hmm. parameters. And, and one thing that Scott brought to the table last time around was, you know, leaders are intrigued by this type of process of setting those stretch goals and setting objectives that are clear and agreed upon. But there's a mentality that we've seen come out where it's like, but we've never done it this way. And I feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I'm not understanding this. This feels like more work. Why are you giving me more work, Gary? Right. So, you know, how do you how do you help your team members adjust to to thinking from that strategic perspective? 
Uh, I think first and foremost, because I was in their shoes um, <laughs> working this way. And I remember very vividly how uncomfortable it was. Mm. Because the whole paradigm before this approach was, it was to uh, incrementalize. It was to keep it tight so that you could deliver. Right. Um, and, and so I remember very distinctly the level of discomfort at stepping into this realm. And what was most uncomfortable for me was the uncertainty of how it was going to be treated given a different level of performance. Uh, how was it going to be treated between the commitment and the aspirational? Was, was everything about the commitment going to be a, a, an acknowledgement and a recognition that you shot high, higher and, and achieved more? Or was it going to be seen as a failure because you didn't get to the aspirational goal? Mm. So, so I, I remember living through that kind of fear mm-hmm. uh, in a corporate organization. And therefore, as, as I'm um, you know, imparting this um, learning to my team, I'm very mindful um, of this. This can sound a little bit crazy that we're going to go after goals that we have no idea how we're going to meet. And, you know, the fact that actually setting the big goal is part of achieving the big goal, that's a very disorientating conversation. Mm. First time out. I mean, ultimately, people come in with a lot of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that really makes the difference is evidence, is proving, you know, through the team's performance that they're delivering far more than they thought possible. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, like all of us, once you have more and more traction and evidence that actually this is delivering what, of course, your confidence and belief mm-hmm. in, the, in the process works. It's funny, uh, Gary, you bring up the idea around evidence. Because uh, even for myself, I guess getting a little vulnerable here, um, I, I've struggled at times with that mindset shift around more thinking aspirationally. I know yeah. Ange has, has pushed me in that direction to try and think more aspirationally where my, my default is logical. It is numbers. It mm-hmm. is more of that incremental thinking. And that's, that's where I feel comfortable. I see that working. And I'd say over the past uh, three to six months now, that has changed for me where I think the key factor was the evidence piece. Mm-hmm. And I saw, Hey, these, these tiny things that we did over here led to this. And all I have to do is just 10 X those things that we did. And it would allow us to reach 10 X of what we're looking for okay, now I get it. Now I can actually go forward to it because I see the evidence kind of in place. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, I completely get it from that perspective in terms of helping making those mindset shifts. And mm. I can imagine encouraging and showing team members the, 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 uh, the shifts that they're making and what they're accomplishing over time uh, becomes critical yeah, well, as a leader. One of the techniques we use is about making this visible. Or make, make ensure people are present to what's actually happening. So at our leadership meeting each month, we start the agenda with the roses and thorns sessions. What were the roses, the great things that happened in the last uh, month, and what were the thorns? And what blows my mind every every time is we've got a list of 15, 20, 25 roses each month and three, four, five thorns. Wow. And so for me, you know, and, and, and and you have to kind of look at what we're achieving. This is That's amazing. We have no right to be achieving what we are. We're mm. the team that, that we actually are. So, you know, ensuring you, the team are present to what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and acknowledging the accomplishments as they're happening in real time. Yeah. And, and acknowledging what you just had said to Scott in that 
different team members need to be communicated in different ways, I think is, is, is a huge undertone that I'm hearing here. It's if we're going to make this huge culture shift around performance and moving from a place of transactional to aspirational, you know, it's really understanding what your team members need to feel safe to lean into this type of uh, mindset shift or process shift. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and this is a high touch, high coaching um, environment. Um, mm. that it, when things are happening in the, in the field of play, um, the, the closer to the, to the uh, thing that happened, then you can debrief and coach and, and give different perspectives. The more valuable the learning is, the more real it becomes for, mm. for the team. And so, you know, and, and that's uncomfortable too, because generally people aren't used to getting feedback on a daily basis about <laughs> their performance, right. which is not no. the way I was brought up. You, you could go for a year yeah. before you got feedback about your performance. No, so, no news is good news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so again, you know, the, the first times when that's happening, again, there's mm. a, it, it can be an intimidating experience um, mm. for, for team members. But again, in a safe environment, where as the leader, you're authentic, you're consistent in terms of your approach, and then they can see the coaching and advice that you're offering starting to um, deliver benefits uh, to them and the wider team, then again, people come on board and, and, and generally carry that. Mm. When you're talking about high-touch high coach approach, and tell our listeners a little bit more as to what that means, because there's a lot of, it's a bit of a wild, wild west in the coaching arena, as we know, anywhere from, you know, the sporting style of coaching all the way up to executive coaching. And there's different uh, modalities there in between. So what does that mean for, for your organization at Adion? Yes, I mean, just in the last week, a couple of different meetings I was involved with the team and things happened in the meeting and I could see impacts in the room from the way a particular member of the team was engaging. Mm. And, and you, you can kind of see the retraction of, of the rest of the audience becoming passive, not, not wanting to fully engage. Okay. And so, you know, taking that example, debrief immediately after, tell me how the meeting went. How did that go for you? What did you observe? And mm. so my role is not asking questions and, and kind of establish how was that experience for the team member? And then once they've kind of laid it out, I'll typically offer some other perspectives that I observed in the meeting and, and the result and impact of, of, of those things that happened. And so what, what generally happens is within a 10, 15-minute conversation, we've been able together to bring new clarity to what was happening in that moment, both inside the, in the leader in terms of what was going on in his or her mind, mm. but also what the dynamic was created as a result of that with the other members of, of, of that meeting. And then by diagnosing it quickly, it, you give people real feedback. It's not conceptual feedback. It's like, at this moment, this happened, and this is what I immediately see in the audience. Mm -hmm. And so people are able to relate to that much, much better than some you know, feedback about something that happened six months ago that I've been storing up in my mind. It's not very helpful, you know, six months later. Mm. I understand, though, yeah. I, I think this is a great segue as well, Gary. Uh, I'd love to learn a little bit more what type or how are you nurturing your team's professional growth, recognizing mm. that they're, they're working in this uncomfortable environment at times and they're getting pushed left, right, and center to continue to kind of uh, push themselves forward? So how, how are you supporting them in that way? 
Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's that's my role. It's uh, sleeves rolled up. There's full contact sport. Um, I'm not the CEO that sits in the corner office. You know, it's it's being in the field of play with the team, understanding where the issues are, and helping them remove blocks. Um, I mean, there's an old kind of adage, removing roadblocks, but it's so powerful because what happens is when when I'm able to help remove roadblocks, you create this clear path for people to come and do their best work. Instead of focusing all their time on the things that are constraining them doing their best work, so for me that's a that's a huge um, part of, uh, of my role as a leader. Um, I think also to operate in this way, you need to be very courageous because what you're actually doing is is stretching your organisation way, way, way beyond its comfort zone. Mm. And therefore, when you're doing that stretching, it's not okay to stretch and then leave the organisation to it. And you've got to be there as the number one cheerleader. You've got to be there as the number one coach. You've got to be there as the number one block remover. I mean, you've got to be very, very active um, with the team to resolve issues. And again, the more you're able to play that role, the more confidence the team has that you're you're there to back them. You are not there to pick fault. You're not there to point to everything that's gone wrong. You're there, you're on their side, and you're backing them 110%. And, and when you create that environment, suddenly you know, people start to gain more confidence about their own um, their own ability. I mean, so much, so much of this is things happen in our lives that create um, blocks in our, in our mind in terms of what we individually can achieve. Mm. Sometimes you live in an organization that in some way institutionalizes you and causes you to limit what you think you're capable of. Mm. And so my role is uh, when I'm pushing people to achieve more is also help them achieve more. And then the more that that, that cycle happens, the more confidence, the more freeing it is, the more they want to take on. Um, so it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a challenging environment. It's a very energizing environment once the flywheel starts to take effect. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, for sure. And what's coming up for me in, in that is how do you identify amongst your team members when to jump in and when to kind of sit back? Because that's an art and a bit of a dance. Yeah, I think as, as you touched on uh, before, before it's, I think it's different by team members. Uh, mm. Some team members do best by just getting their head down on a problem, really you know, disconnecting, giving it 100% focus, and they will get there. Other team members, and I'm one of these team members, I like a more participative, iterative uh, process. Um, I don't have all the best ideas, far from it. Um, and being able to be in a team environment where one person you know, has an idea, someone else builds on it, someone adds to it, you know, for me, being in that sort of environment, I, I personally I find very energizing. But some of the team members need that. Others just need you to create the space and time for them mm-hmm. to go and do the best work and, and leave them alone. You know, stop interfering, get out of the way, let them, <laughs> let them go and figure it out. And so very, very different by team member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's fantastic, Aaron. And it, it's interesting, you know, we've, we, we've been talking over the past 20 plus minutes and I feel we keep circling around this idea around uh, human skills or, or soft skills, right? And so I'm curious, what role do those soft skills play when bringing on new te- team members mm. uh, onto the team? 
yeah, the, the, the kind of the EQ, if, if you will. I mean, you you, you end up well, you end up becoming very uh, self-aware, uh, very situationally aware. Um, you know, body language is such a powerful tool in terms of understanding what's really going on in the room, rather than what's been spoken about. And so for me, as new team members come into the team, I'm, I'm using you know, my, my sensory skills, I'm observing, I'm, I'm, I'm detecting you know, um, kind of feelings, um, you know, listening to the words, of course, and, and trying to you know, get a, a picture because the more um, alert I can be um, to what's going on for any, any new member of the team particularly, um, the quicker I can adapt the situation or, 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 or fill a need or remove a block um, for that individual. Um, so, yeah, it's, you, you have to have your eyes open, your ears open, and you have to be paying attention to really mm. understand the un- what's the unspoken um, dialogue in the room. Yeah, insightful, for sure. Thank you, Gary. Um, so we, all, we like to ask all of our podcast guests, uh, what are some words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? Um, I do want to go back to the Nelson Mandela quote. Um, okay. It's my favorite. Um, it always seems impossible until it's done. And, mm-hmm. and just for me, it captures the two sides of this aspirational journey we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The first side, when the, the, the steepness of the mountain just looks and feels and all the rational thoughts in your mind are telling you this can't be done. And yet, you know, the, by following this type of process and, and having talented people and, 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 and committing to it, you know, there's a moment when you actually deliver. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, you know, speaks to the elation and the you know, sense of accomplishment and the, the galvanizing experience that is for the team to have taken on something that, you know, to a person we're saying like, oh my God, we're never going to get this done, um, but then delivering it. Um, and so for me, that's why it's my favorite quote, because it mm. kind of talks to both sides of the mountain before the, you undertake the challenge and when we've accomplished it. Yeah. And I can really hear your conviction and passion behind that, Gary. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, now that Scott has heard this, our next quarterly goal session will operate a lot differently. (laughs) 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 So we appreciate you, Gary. And thank you so much, seriously, for sharing all of your entrepreneurial and leadership insights with us, um, especially around this theme of aspirational leadership. It was great Mm -hmm. to, to discuss for sure. Great. Thanks very much for having us on the show. And um, yeah, hopefully you know, some of your listeners can pick some pick some bits out of that and, and, and put it into practice. Fantastic. And for those uh, who would like to learn more about uh, Adion Technologies, we're going to provide a link to the company's profile on the Elevate Business podcast title page. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting. Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. 
Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.